0: Welcome into this Sun Devil Source Report podcast. I am Zane Hopin, joined as always by Chris Cartman and Caleb Jones. And today, we're going to recap the loss to Stanford that occurred this weekend. And then we're going to go around the Pac-12, talk about our picks, and uh, maybe a little bit about each game that occurred around the Conference of Champions. But first, as always, guys, how are we doing? Good.
1: It's like Boogie Down Productions' KRS-One said, love's going to get
0: you. Insightful. (laughs) Wise as always, Chris Cartman. Uh, first, before we dive into Stanford, a little note from today's practice. John Humphrey obviously has been injured, uh, but we saw him today for the first time in a white jersey.
1: Not for the first time. Not first, for time the first time. First time since camp, camp.
0: Yes, the first time. First time in the season. Correct. Yeah. That we've seen him in a white jersey. Now
1: he wasn't uh, practicing because he's still coming back from that knee injury that he suffered against San Diego State. Or Texas Tech. Texas Tech? San Diego State. San Diego State, sorry. Um, so, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to practice on defense when he does get back out there on the field. Maybe they were just messing with us, but I, I would say probably it means that they're considering it, especially, as we know, Joey Bryant uh, lost for the season mm-hmm. with a with an ACL injury. And uh, Togram also said that Karan Crump is out for the season with a knee injury. So they were talking about using uh, John Humphrey as a nickelback and going back to August. Maybe now they're talking about the same thing or just getting him ready in case they need another cornerback in case somebody else goes down.
0: Yeah, but um, like we talked about this morning, what a weird time to be considering a, a nickel
2: cornerback. Especially coming after, you know, a loss where, you know, your team got demolished in the run game. But it, it would be – I think it does kind of correspond with Joey Bryant's injury. I think that would be the only logical reason for them to consider it. But it's still an odd time. Yeah.
1: Well, it's odd because he hasn't practiced at all in several weeks now. And you're going to put him right back into practice at a different position. Right. Maybe. Possibly. I don't know. We'll see. But, Yeah. I don't know.
0: Could be just a a bi week
2: prank. Yeah, I, it could I be. Wouldn't. I mean, he's one of your best <laughs> offensive weapons, so
1: he's got a he's got a personality, so maybe he just decided he was gonna mess with people <laughs> yeah. and put on a white jersey I today. Be yeah, I yeah. wouldn't be
2: surprised either. Like today he was working out in uh, he had his knee brace back on, not a heavy one, but he had a
1: thin one over his left knee. started with it off, yeah, then they made him run over on, and yeah. put it on. And he was trying to work
2: stuff. on, like, regain his explosiveness mm-hmm. and then build up. So
1: Looks a lot looks a lot better now versus, like, a week ago. Exactly, yeah. He's so not kind of gingerly moving. Probably a week from now, we'll be talking about John Humphrey potentially back on the field against Washington. It's that's, that's possible. Well, we'll see.
0: Well, now now what we really wanted to hear and talk about, other than speculation about John Humphrey, which I'm sure everybody loves, but uh, the Stanford game, 34-24. Uh, to 24, um, A weird game for many reasons, mostly because it felt like ASU was, you know, for the, in the first half at least from where I was watching, it felt like they were in control just the way they were playing on offense, just couldn't finish drives. And then the explosive plays again.
2: Yeah, no, I think all three of us said it on the premium podcast last week. There was only one way that ASU was really going to be in dire, you know, trouble at a deficit in this game. And it was in terms of stopping the home runs by Bryce Love. And even when Bryce Love wasn't hitting, you know, on the big gains, I think he had like three or four gains of 50 plus yards. He was only running the ball for about two, three yards per carry. It's not like he was breaking out for huge gains. So the ASU defense was doing relatively well. In terms of stopping him, it's just, again, those home run plays, they're so costly. And I think Todd Graham talks about it. Phil Bennett has mentioned it. The thing is, you need consistency to be in the 90th percentile, not just the 80, the 85th percentile. And against, you know, Stanford, it definitely cost them, even though their offense isn't necessarily as explosive as we consider it to be in the past, when you have a dynamic runner and Bryce Love and ASU's offense is unable to do anything, you saw what happened.
1: So... Let's look at the last couple big-name Stanford running backs. You had uh, Gerhardt was a Heisman Trophy runner-up. Right. Toby Gerhardt. And then, more recently, Christian McCaffrey, also a Heisman Trophy runner-up, now uh, playing for the Panthers. That dude
2: with the Patriots, too, in between there. I can't remember his name.
1: Who was that? Ah man. Drawing a blank. Yeah, same. Well, anyways (laughs) – Neither one of those guys accomplished what Bryce Love accomplished on Saturday against ASU. 301 rushing yards, first person to have 300 rushing yards. The PA announcer in the stadium was so excited about it that they actually announced that he had broken the record when his backup was in the game getting carries, that, that, that broke the record. Uh, so it wasn't even a record. They had to announce it twice, basically, is what I'm trying to say here. Uh, and maybe it was a performance deserving of that. As you said there, Kaylin, we talked on the podcast, if Bryce Love has a really big day but doesn't have a career day. ASU still mm-hmm. has a chance to be in the game, and definitely it did. Uh, but just one or two too many of those long runs. Um, he had like, what, five runs of 40 yards or more from scrimmage, and and uh, three of those were touchdown runs. So uh, what what surprised me about this is, we didn't see ASU adjust within the game to go to a heavier front. Now, one of the things that we're gonna talk a lot about in in some of our uh, written recap stuff is is how ASU in the past has adjusted to the opponents and to its own uh, uh, personnel challenges. Whenever guys have been hurt or, or maybe ineffective, go back to 2014, we saw ASU lose badly at home to UCLA, I think 62 points the Bruins scored at Centerville Stadium. ASU adjusted the next week, went with a heavier front, four down linemen against uh, USC and then against Stanford. Um, that coincided with um, with a couple of wins that got the program really kind of rolling again and, and feeling better about itself. You look at last year at times, ASU used Tayshawn Smallwood. As a defensive end in a heavier package, and then even against San Diego State this year, they put George Lee in the game as a nose tackle, flanked by Tayshawn Smallwood Mm -hmm. and uh, JoJo Wicker. So to not see ASU at all, look at a a four down line strategy in this game, in playing Abraham Thompson for a couple series, and then. Uh, playing J.J. Wilson behind him at double backer, moving over A.J. Latu to end, but playing with a hand in the ground. They just weren't physical enough at the point of attack. And I, and I think that that really was no fault of the players, but they didn't have the right personnel on the field to really be able to uh, counter back what they were seeing from Stanford. And meanwhile, and this is why I think it's so relevant, Stanford adjusted by changing its front when ASU was running the ball successfully out of the the Sparky package in the first half, even like third and seven to kill Harry's out there getting first downs. They made a really big adjustment coming out of the halftime to take away some of that stuff, and it worked. ASU was slow to adjust. ASU didn't score in the third quarter. Stanford had a touchdown, and that was like the, the difference in the game. That was the key little segment of the game. Uh Graham talked about it afterwards. Billy Napier talked about it with us afterwards. And so once again, you have to say that th- there was a, a coaching thing that that really kept this from being uh, as tight as it, as it probably could have been. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and you're always going to talk
0: about Bryce Love, and that's how teams are going to adjust their defenses going forward when they match up with Stanford but another big headline going into this game obviously without their quarterback Keller Christ, KJ Costello stepped in and you know 15 of 23 173 yards and a touchdown I I would say about as effective as Christ would have been yeah.
2: and you know I, I came into the game saying that I like KJ Costello like I, I think he's a solid player g- coming into this but the way that Stanford really game planned for him I like the way that they approached this you saw a lot of Uh, Short underneath really quarterback friendly route concepts early on in the game. Nothing really challenging the secondary um, Early on and they allowed him to get into a rhythm Especially with the running game when it wasn't you know as effective as it was obviously they hit on Stanford hit on the home runs but When they were getting stopped for short gains They were able to go back to and able to get like chunk yards of plays maybe four or five six yards put them in manageable situations so I thought Costello played pretty well. I think you saw that ASU really missed Karan Crump, the fact that they didn't have their leading pass rusher, or really their only great pass rusher on this roster that is a specialist at doing that. I mean, we talk about how, um, you know, Doug Suttle maybe could have been a potential player there. He hasn't really emerged yet. Uh, Abe Thompson in that double backer role hasn't, or didn't really generate much of a, a, a pass rush. He's more considered a coverage linebacker. A.J. lot who's seen time there. There isn't really a special pass rusher behind Karan Crump, and as great as the interior pass rush has been throughout the entire season, um, it just wasn't enough, really, especially when the concept w- that, Stanford's w- that Stanford was running was asking Costello to get the ball out so quickly, and you weren't able to get after him. So,
1: well, A huge part of mm-hmm. coaching is being able to be quickly adaptive situationally Correct. within a game or in a game planning from – one opponent to the next to your personnel, and I think they've been slow to really figure out how they should respond to Kronkrump's loss. Agreed. Uh, I think that they probably didn't try the player who was the most approximate to Crump, which is Malik Lawal, uh, in, the, in that tied-up role. Maybe there was some injury thing or whatever, but he's practiced, so I don't, I don't know. Um, but. Um, a game planning for a team like Stanford didn't really didn't really get a good feeling that that was the right ap- approach that they should have been using, and it, this was Phil Bennett's first time playing against Stanford, right? Yeah. Which we we talked about during the week. Well, Graham and 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 Keith Patterson they've got a lot of familiarity playing against Stanford, Pac twelve championship game, and even though not the last couple of years, and. Some of the things that they did strategically against Stanford really worked, especially in that 2014 game when Stanford had 10 or 13 points or something like that. I don't remember off the top of my head, but um, anyway, that was the best that they played against Stanford when they went to that heavier uh, personnel grouping. And so I was just kind of surprised. You look at this game, and, and Abe Thompson didn't really play a lot, but he had one you know, one tackle. J.J. Wilson had three tackles, and uh, but no no tackles for loss, no sacks. Yeah. And and a lot of times those guys are just engulfed in the run game. I thought AJ Latu going against up against 320 pound you know tackles and all that. And um, and, they, and then ASU is two lights in the perimeter with with its safeties and other players to really be able to get in there against lead blockers like Stanford's bringing through the holes. So a lot of it is is at the line of scrimmage. I thought. I don't know what you guys felt, but watching that game, there was like probably another four to six plays where I thought Bryce Love was gonna 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 take it. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. he was just a diving tackle away, or some you know really close, an, an ankle grab away from breaking some more. And I think that's because there just wasn't enough. Remember, ASU talked about population to Bryce Love swarming the ball, getting. There just wasn't anywhere near enough of that. They just didn't blow up enough of the gaps. They didn't have enough heavy, bigger-bodied guys in there, and and we saw we saw the result um, that. And then, as we'll talk about here, but Manny Wilkins with the two interceptions and then some other mis- miscues that ASU had.
0: So let's stay on that. Actually, you know, Manny and, and Costello's stats were, you know, pretty much. Mirroring each other, Manny fifteen of twenty-four, one eighty-one. But you know, no TDs, two interceptions compared to Costello's perfect ball protection plus the touchdown. Um, Manny extended his school record to one hundred and eighty-eight completions without an interception. One ninety-two um,
1: in the it was game. was One ninety-two. Yeah, he had oh. started one eighty-eight. Oh, he started to one eighty-eight. Gotcha. First four were complete. <coughs> the fifth one was incomplete. For
2: I gave Zayn information. That's fine. That's
0: Kaylen, fake news. That's <laughs> all right. Um, but we saw. You know, not an injury, but Manny Wilkins is hurt. It seems Mm -hmm. like he was at Muscle Beach today. Um, Obviously, they're probably just playing it safe given the bye week, but nothing serious, I don't think. But he obviously struggled in the game probably because of that.
2: Yeah, and Chris and I were actually talking about it walking up to interviews with him. Like, he looked like Manny Wilkins of old after he suffered that big hit. And, you know, obviously he tried to stay in the game, which you commend him for. But at the same time, he wasn't as effective, whether it was – you know, moving around in the pocket, which in my opinion, he's already limited at. Um, what, and not only that, but just the decision-making kind of the franticness, you saw a different quarterback and, you know, like the, the saying is you hit a quarterback and his mindset completely changes. And you saw that a little bit. And to, to his credit though, the first interception probably wasn't his fault. Like it was batted up in the air. Um, the second one was a bad decision he probably could have had one or two other passes later in the game that, that could have been intercepted. But I, it wasn't enough like in in Wilkins actually talked about that after the game like he knew that it, he could have played a little bit better and it, his team really cost him and we saw for the first time like what happens when the passing game for ASU isn't effective like we we've known up to this point that the running game hasn't been effective at all but the passing game has always produced a 100 yard receiver this first game of the year where that hasn't happened um and again like it really crippled the offense
1: so After Wilkins got hurt, he was tackled from behind on a ball he threw away. Probably didn't have as much of a sense of urgency on that play in in, in getting to the spot and throwing the ball out of the way. But um, I noticed that he was very ginger getting up. Then uh, after ASU um, uh, had to punt, he he just basically walked off the field really gradually. And then there were other times in the game in which he definitely would have kept zone read handoffs. Mm That he that he gave when he was open and he just never never carried the ball in those situations really I think maybe only once he did yeah. um, he just didn't he wasn't looking to run in the same way that you that you typically would have be the case now he's you know putting the best spin on this possible you know I would have told the coaches if I wasn't a hundred percent and I would have you know taking myself out of the game and, and I'm fine and I, I played poorly and that's the reason we lost. That's, you know, the quarterback stuff that people do and, and Wilkins has, has done. But if, uh, to my eye, I thought he was definitely compromised after uh, he was tackled from behind. Maybe not enough to knock him out of the game, but certainly enough to have an impact his game. I understand ASU not having him out there practicing today because it's a bye week and, mm-hmm. and whatever but w- when have we ever seen a player who was totally healthy not practicing at mm-hmm. ASU that never happens right like we go out there in tennis shoes yeah, and just because it's a bye week no there's more to it no matter what you know they're going to say and um, although he wasn't limping and doesn't seem like it's anything serious it's still something that we're going to have to keep an eye on Correct. next week and beyond.
0: Mm-hmm. And well, this has been something with Manny Wilkins since he was named the starter last year. I mean, we've seen plenty of times, I mean, even just during games, texting each other. Like, I think Manny's hurt. Like it looks like he's, losing. yeah, he yeah. like, you know, this is good and bad, but he won't pull himself out of games. Mm-hmm. And Like yeah. that, that is a good thing at, mm-hmm. but at some points it hurts you. And it seems like it's, Like it happened last year too. Like it caught up to him, Mm -hmm. and he had a serious injury. So it's
1: like he had multiple serious injuries, and he was still like playing and trying to figure out a way. I guess it comes down to how capable your backup really is, and how good that a staff feels about him. But there's no doubt that if a guy is really tough and can play through injuries, at a certain point in time, it actually becomes counter. you know, you know, beneficial yeah. to, to you.
2: And like, is that more so on the player though, or is that the coaching staff? Because I feel like sure. at that point, coaching, the staff staff, re- re- coaching staff has to coaching staff has
1: to realize when a pitcher out. needs to be taken out exactly. of the game, right? And and go to the bullpen. <laughs> That's your job, yeah. ultimately. Right. But but so, Wilkins is not going to come out of games unless he has to. Exactly. And the coaches need to be able to evaluate it. But again, I. Do you guys think – I'm just throwing this out mm-hmm. there now. We hadn't even planned to discuss this. Do you guys think that Blake Barnett thrown into the game in that situation would have been more likely to be effective than what you your perspectives on what Wilkins was capable of at that point in time?
2: Not at that point in the game, though. I, I think Manny's still healthy enough. Like, that. that's the thing. Like, I, I don't think this week was a, you know, a breaking point where you're like, okay, like, we need to go. It wasn't that significant like, of exactly. a thing. What do yeah,
1: you
0: think? No, I don't, I don't think so either. Yeah, it's neither. just – you would hate to see the same thing happen that happened last year exactly. where he refuses to like accept the fact that something really bad could happen if you keep neglecting these smaller, you know, quote unquote smaller injuries. Yeah,
1: yeah he broke down last year because of the cumulative effect of th- about three and injuries. There have already
0: been, like I mentioned, multiple times throughout multiple games this year where we're mm-hmm. like Manny might be hurt and so well, it's just it's I don't know.
1: I he, mean he's taking some big hits. Yeah. And and it's a tough Full disclosure, I think everybody here would say it's not like a surprise that you would be talking about the possibility of Manny Wilkins being hurt in the middle of your season. Right. right. I mean, he's a he, he puts himself you know exposed to some of those situations, right. and he's not the biggest of guys, and that's so that's and the
0: offensive line hasn't figured themselves out yet. Tight blocking, and tight end blocking and just
1: the blocking around him hasn't been good enough. Yes.
0: Yeah, and, and well, we talk about Manny Wilkins in the passing game being ineffective, but we i think we saw a big step in the running game at least with mm-hmm. demario richard uh 22 carries 80 yards and two touchdowns on the ground plus 50 receiving yards he we've talked about this yeah. a lot the demario of old but this really looked like the demario of yeah
2: no nah, man and just talking to him today again man like he's he's got that you know not i guess mojo swag back whatever you want to call it man he's he's definitely got it like he's And the confidence is growing. I think once the running, or excuse me, not the running game, but the offensive line um, keys that running game into taking that next step, I think you're going to see DeMar Richard really, you know, look like himself in like the 2015 form. Um, He looked good, like you mentioned, against Stanford, like running between tackles. We mentioned the game before, like where he seems like he's getting wrapped up and all of a sudden he squirts for it for like two or three more yards than what he should have gotten. So that's encouraging. Um, I think that. He's definitely an effective weapon. It was nice seeing him flex out wide. Um, Billy Napier being willing to, to put him as split him out as a receiver, and then him getting that thirty yard catch or whatever it was during the middle of the game. So they're they're figuring out how to utilize their weapons. And if there's anything encouraging, the running game comes along, then it'll be really exciting.
1: We thought again this Stanford game in the written preview, it was counterintuitive, but I was like, ASU can actually really run on Stanford, and. Uh, that that's not been the case because Stanford's always been known to have this great run defense, and one of the best in the league. And 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 you just you have to fight for every yard that you get against that type of a team. And that just wasn't the case uh, in in early seasons. And then and then uh, so Demario Richard and and Kalen Balazs, you know, between them, they had over 100 yards at halftime easily. Mm-hmm. And ASU was was had you know balance and was moving the football reasonably well, and, and it looked good. And then things just sort of changed in the second half with some of the coaching adjustments that were made. I think Demario Richard is is capable of doing just about whatever the rest of the people around him enable at, at this point in time. He, he's capable of, of going out there and putting a bunch of 100-yard games up if you're going to give him 20 carries a game, yep. as long as everybody else is doing their job and you have some uh, continued capability in the passing game that really actually wasn't there nearly as much in this outing, uh, as in the past, in fact, Demario Richard led the team in receiving. Uh, he had 57 receiving yards, which, which was more than Nikhil Harry or Kyle Williams or Jalen Harvey, who only had one catch in the game. So um, there are there are signs continuously of them making strides. That Manny Wilkins' two interceptions sort of undercut that to mm-hmm. some degree. The yeah. first one can't really totally blame him. the second one was a, was one of the worst decisions he's had of the season right. But when you're playing in a fewer uh, possession game, a fewer plays game that actually makes those even bigger, yeah. uh, Stanford had 57 plays, ASU 71 plays and Wilkins threw the ball to the opponent twice in ASU lost a turnover battle you lose a turnover battle on the road to a well-coached football team and it's not uh, necessarily a surprise to see what what happens as the end result especially when somebody has 300 rushing yards
0: Mm -hmm. and another big part of the offense was the sparky is back but Mm -hmm. newer very very (laughs) very new in the in the sense that we saw a lot of Nikhil Harry as the quote-unquote quarterback yeah
2: (laughs) and that's another thing like you you know the the simplest thing you can do in football is get the ball into your best playmaker's hands and when asu has such a plethora of them demario richard cam blodge Nikhil harry kyle williams they all factored into the the sparky package in some way or another even though i guess like the kyle williams demario richard uh, fake exchange cost them a little bit but uh, i mean just the fact that you know napier is willing to tried this out i think it does add a different element we've seen the kill harry throw the ball before he can throw pretty well because he's a receiver um i I think that you're going to see this evolve a little bit more especially when asu isn't able to i guess manufacture yards in a more base foundational way where you're handing the ball off and richard's running for four or five and then breaking out kalen Balaj getting the ball running out or your pass game isn't effective i think it adds a different element and a layer where you keep defenses off balance. And that's something DeMar was mentioning earlier today.
1: We probably underestimated to some degree how much of a learning curve that there was given that you have new offensive coordinator and new uh, offensive line coach and figuring out their personnel and how to use Mm -hmm. them most effectively. Uh, Especially when they, as you played some really tough teams out of the gate that maybe ordinarily you're, you're, you don't have as much of a challenge in your second game or your third game. So, uh, I, I I think like Napier said to me after the game, we're just seeing how how much of a weapon that Nikhil Harry is and figuring out ways that we can leverage that further. And this is like a natural progression, kind of a way that you can yeah. do that. And um, and I was sort of taken aback by how creative that the that the game plan was, especially in the first half with three players taking direct snaps out of the Sparky, given that Napier returned home to Georgia on yeah. Thursday mm-hmm. with his father's passing and then not rejoining the team until Friday night. Uh, it's, I mean, imagine imagine you losing your father and still trying to put together a game plan for a road game, in the first Pac-12 road game that you're going to play. Yeah and all the challenges that are associated with that. And then you have to adjust on the fly because your quarterback's not 100%. You know, the opponents are doing a good job of adjusting to you as you're playing the game. A lot of challenges there. I think that uh, you have to credit Napier for for some good ideas coming in, but then you have to say that they didn't quickly enough adapt in the third quarter in a way that that hurt them. But, but if, if Manny Wilkins has one more game without an interception – after four straight start of the season, we're probably talking about a different game because the one that he had was on like a second and three. No, first and ten. And the second one, I think it was. I'm, I'm mixing them up. I think the second one was first and ten. And ASU was on around the 49-yard line. So, so you know, you're probably going to get yourself into, into into scoring range on that drive pretty easily with Brandon Ruiz as your kicker. Uh, and then that, that, that would have changed the game quite a bit. Uh, and um, but it just didn't happen.
0: Mm-hmm. And you mentioned adjustments and the Sparky package and all that. So how much, how much of we saw we saw a lot of the Sparky package. And mm-hmm. could we attribute that to a game plan? Is there something they saw with Stanford where they're like, we can exploit this, whether it be Nikhil, Harry, Demario, Richard, anyone taking the snaps, or is it, you know, Manny's not one hundred percent. Manny's not having his best game. Should we keep going
2: back to this? I think it's a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. I, I yes. think you you look at Stanford and. <clears throat> And the fact early on in the game they were able to get an advantage at the line of scrimmage, if that's the case, then why not get the ball directly into Nikhil Harry's hands and let him get you know, as many yards as he can if it's up the middle or off tackle? Um, I think it's a surefire way of doing that. But at the same time, like you mentioned, saying, like if Wilkins is hurt, you want to preserve him as well as you can. This is an effective way of doing it.
1: They're also trying to figure out ways to creatively run the ball better. So... How about adding a sixth offensive lineman on the field, which is what they're doing Mm -hmm. in the Sparky package, and then uh, giving yourself a numbers advantage in the box against a team that has no problem stacking the box and playing single high looks. That's kind of what it was. Stanford has one really good defensive lineman who usually plays nose tackle or somewhere at a defensive tackle alignment. They were not as good at their other defensive line positions, not as stout at their outside linebacker positions, which is uncharacteristic. And ASU was like, let's just get a lot of broad surface areas and let's just try to, to move and push those guys back and let's give the ball to our better athletes and see what happens. And it actually really did work until uh, Stanford made that adjustment and, and it was a little bit more successful and, uh, and ASU wasn't able to really open, expand the passing game especially vertically. Uh, How many passes did you see that were converted outside the hashes down the field in this game? Like nothing. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was just really taken away from ASU. And so um, 24 points, you know, it's not going to beat most teams in the Pac-12.
0: Yeah, and and I said this to Kalen before the game. ASU had 24 points on 71 plays, and then Stanford had what it ended up being, 34 on 56. So that's – that's yeah. about you. Just give Stanford a point to eight every point, three plays. Yeah, eight
1: point eight yards per play for Stanford and five point eight for mm-hmm. ASU. Uh, neither one of those is terrible, but you better win a, a, a turnover margin and you mm-hmm. better be flawless That's on special teams mm-hmm. when you're not going to uh, average more yards per play than, than the opponent.
0: Mm-hmm. So, and one more thing about about the Sparky package here. So, obviously, I think there's a reason they brought it out against Stanford a lot because of what we talked about being the fact that they're not as stout of a run defense as they Mm -hmm. have been in the past it's definitely a time to use our weapons in a different way especially if you know Manny is not 100% going ahead against a team like Washington who is now known as the defense in the Pac-12 is the Sparky something that they can lean on as much more or less if you start seeing struggles in the run
2: game? I think it's something that at they're gonna have to utilize whether the run game is successful or not. I think it just keeps defenses off keel because you're able to, again, pass out of it still because yeah, whether it's Demario Richard or Nikhil Harry, or Cam Boulaj back there, like they're willing to, put be creative. And I think against defenses that are so consistent like Washington, you're gonna have to utilize you know exhaust your playbook as much as possible just so you can be successful on offense.
1: Well, your next two opponents. For ASU Washington, only giving up 2.9 yards rushing per play. Utah, 2.7 yards rushing per play. So you're going to have to manufacture success in your run game, or you're going to have to be successful on run replacements, or both, really. And um, ASU's conventional run game, not very effective to this point in the season. They've had some limited success against Texas Tech with some of the power and counter plays, a little bit against Oregon but uh, if if you go into these games without having that sparky capability really fully understood and then you're not having any success in your conventional run game and then you and then better opponents, more athletic, bigger physical opponents are taking away some of the run replacement stuff, the bubbles mm-hmm. and whatever, you just have narrowed your playbook so much and your your, your ability to have early down success that that's just uh, not a recipe for 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 being able to be successful. So, I I, I think that we're still going to see a fair amount more of Sparky package.
0: Mm-hmm. And then now our weekly special teams checkup, which <laughs> seems seems like has become one of oh our, our repetitive the one the one repeating segment we didn't talk about was Phil Bennett and Todd Graham's soap opera of balancing the defense. But I guess <laughs> I guess we kind of touched on the aspects of it. Yeah. But, we, we but uh, special teams. Um, You know, two more big blunders, Mm -hmm. Uh, the the fake punt allowed by Stanford at midfield when ASU was bringing everything with the kitchen sink, as they like to say, Uh, a 17-yard run for the punter to keep a drive alive. It it ended in a punt and no points, but still you kind of have to scratch your head at what
1: they were thinking. You got a game in which ASU had 11 drives, Stanford had 12 drives. The importance of each drive is so big. You can't give an opponent like Stanford good field position to start a game, or start a drive. Pardon me. And you can't. What they what they did trying to block that third down punt at midfield, on a third and two by overloading the boundary in the press box, three or four of us were like, "Oh, this is before the ball was even snapped. Like, oh, that this looks like a a fake punt situation." And then, sure as you know, like. Punter, you know, takes the snap and just like casually jogs around, the, you know, thirty yards of open pasture. You know, and and you, you, that that's a that's a mistake. Mm-hmm. There's been coaching mistakes every week since San Diego State in, on special teams. Mm-hmm. I don't under I don't understand like like having a good kicker and punter, which ASU had last year. They have a good kicker this year. That's not like that doesn't that's like a cure all. For your special teams, you still need to actually have good special teams, yeah. and their 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 kick coverage has been average. They've had really big mistakes with their punt game. They've had punt return mis- miscues. Ryan Ryan they they threw Ryan uh, Newsom back out there again in this game, and he didn't uh, move up to fair catch a ball, and it cost ASU twenty yards yeah. on a drive. You have 10, 11, 11 series. You can't give up 20 yards by not fair catching a ball that, you know, that has to be made. You can't kick the ball out of bounds and let an opponent start on the 35. And you can't have a, a, a very obvious situation where an opponent would try a fake punt, where you don't have a defense that can use, like, we're going, for the, we're going for a block. What? Why? I, I mean, it wasn't even like, a, a, first of all, they haven't had any block punts this season. And second of all, you're not going to probably get there. Mm. And you, so I just think that that was, uh, it's been very glaring. You know, it's been the J.J. Wilson as a key punt protector in a weird uh, formation that they did. Then they do this other weird formation that doesn't work. The two formations that you try, both of them end up being huge blunders. Uh, Ryan Newsom, by the, by the way, remember Ryan Newsom. Was first on the depth chart ahead of John Humphrey at receiver. At receiver at the beginning of the season, and we were all just and like, ahead of Kyle
2: Williams. Yeah,
1: we were too. kind of scratching our heads, like, <laughs> but he he dropped some balls and he's not making some play yeah. like yeah. In, the, in the time that we saw, and now he's not even he's not even out there playing no. receiver right, but 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 it, some of these things were predictable for for us seeing ASU a fraction of what the coaches. Not only did the coaches see the whole practices, then they go and they watch the the film of the whole practices and break it all down, right? So some of these things should really be observed. I I I must say and um and the and the special teams have been very mediocre by ASU.
2: Yeah, and then even the kickoff before halftime. I
1: I honestly think like Ruiz has been
2: pretty solid. It's very solid like, for it, a freshman. Yeah, Not seriously. pretty very yeah, solid. Like <laughs> He's been really, like, really, really good to that point. Um, it, it just the miscues that, uh, right before halftime. Again, Like, it, it ended up costing them three points. I think Stanford went up by seven going into half because of it. And t- it, it, it just, it's dumbfounding that even at practice still, though, and we've seen it, Like, in re- going into this game, there were still issues with the punt return unit. So I'm not really surprised at all that – I mean, I'm surprised by it. But <laughs> I'm not surprised at the same time that Stanford was able to rattle off a fake punt
1: you don't need. You don't need to have big return capability you in don't. your in your punt return game. You just need to be average. You just need to not <laughs> it, make any mistakes. Yeah. That's
2: too. That's what it comes down to.
1: Yeah. Moment of silence for this. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it just naturally <laughs> happened.
0: <laughs> um, I had another thing I wanted to talk about. What was it? I, I had one know, more
1: thing. Probably how good you were with your predictions or something. No, that
0: that I don't think that's, that was it. That's, that's but mean. if I, if we're gonna move on to that, but if I <laughs> if I remember what it is, we're gonna jump right back. Okay. There was
1: another thing that we had on our rundown. No, but oh, I, we, I ju- we we something just came
0: thing. to me and I was gonna bring it up, but I can't remember eh. what it was. Anyways, let's talk about how good I did. Swipe left. Yeah. Let's well, let's just let's just do that. <laughs> uh, we're gonna we're gonna start keeping <laughs> keeping track of picks. <laughs> We started making picks on the premium pod last week for just uh, around the Pac-12. Um, you know, all of us in, for the ASU game. I I, I picked ASU. Kalen, I no, believe you. Yeah, that,
2: I know. Okay, picked ASU that, too, that was, Kalen, right? That was my right? one blunder this week. Was
0: Kalen picked ASU and Chris picked Stanford. Stayed with it. I thought about changing <laughs>
1: my mind, but yeah, I didn't.
0: Yeah, and then uh, as for the other games, Wazoo at home against USC. Um, Injuries, What was What was the spread there? I think it was
1: three or four. Three and a
0: half. Something like that. I think USC was favored by three and a half on the road against Wazoo. Wazoo ended up winning by three, 30 to 27.
1: Um, Injuries, a problem for USC. They had a couple offensive linemen out to start the game, ended up with like three out plus two or three other players, starters that were out. That was a real factor, but Washington State definitely played better.
0: Yeah, I saw it. I don't know if you guys saw this, but the column the San Jose Mercury guy wrote. No. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Said the Pac-12 made a mistake by not scheduling USC and Wazoo at home because USC is one of the favorites in the Pac-12 to make the playoff.
1: Oh, that the game should have been in L.A.
0: It should have been in L.A. because USC... Is one of the favorites to make the playoff, and the Pac-12 is is doing the wrong thing oh. by scheduling them on the road. Well, yeah, there's no good enough team.
2: To me, there wasn't the even a good enough team to make the
1: playoff The Pac-12 issue, is so. definitely not spending its time thinking yeah. about gaming the schedule for our two best, three yeah, best. But teams. it's just
2: it's just
0: what a what a bogus idea yeah, that, that is a you're gonna idea. like. <laughs> it should never be. If They deserve to be in the playoff. Why can't
1: they win in <laughs> exactly, Pullman? When you when know, Pullman yeah, gets that, State. like gets Washington. I I just thought that was that was bizarre. That's just vi- while we were on that note. It's very silly. It's yeah, a very was, silly notion. There
0: was a whole column, and, and all the Washington State people I follow were up in arms about it. It was just pretty funny.
1: But, uh, <laughs> Even more than when the USC Scout people. I wasn't going to bring that the up. USC Scout reporter <laughs> called the Washington State fans idiots. Morons. And morons. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that was, yeah. That was fun. Southern California, too. baby. That was fun, too. And then uh, the next game wasn't as fun. Um, Washington beat oregon state 42 to 7 washington was favored by
2: 26 and a half
1: we all picked washington covering. to cover that g- yeah. yeah we did yeah.
2: but they didn't cover by halftime like we said it was only like fourteen yeah. Nothing yeah, halftime. yeah i thought they might
0: cover like, at halftime yeah. but the the usc line opened up for oregon state and it's worse it's 34 and a half
1: because it's in la
0: yeah i think so
1: 34? I'm 34 i'm not sure and I'm not that's what it opened it. up at
0: 34.5 point that's favorites of Oregon State. You don't have to think about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, we all we all got that one right, fortunately. Um, and then UCLA, Colorado, and that was in Darn it. that was in Boulder. Boom, UCLA got the win 27 23. I picked Colorado, Chris picked Colorado, and Kalen picked UCLA.
1: Colorado's not coming through for me, man. I I didn't. I thought Colorado would be a little bit down, but not as much down as everybody expected.
0: Yeah, I, they brought back. I mean, Montez was a highlight of last year. Yeah, and yeah The two the best, receivers. the two best skill players, yeah, he Phil got hurt during and, and the game, Bryce though. Bobo. Yeah, he got hurt during the game. Yeah, yeah. That was that was unfortunate, for for our picks, of course. Yeah, for, our <laughs> not picks. for But us. <laughs> um, and then uh, finally, Oregon and Cal. Oregon won 45-24. Not as close as I thought, but I I, I picked Oregon. I I don't. We all picked
1: Oregon, but I don't remember who had what on the line there. We'll definitely. It was thirteen.
2: I just don't remember who.
1: We'll definitely go back and listen to it and see uh, for for records. And if we didn't get it accurately, we'll we'll make sure that we do a better job in the future.
0: But yeah, uh, week one of picks.
1: Kalen went four and one,
0: and then Zane and Chris go three and two. And then, uh, like Chris said, we're gonna have spread picks, picks against the spread being kept track of starting next week. And, this, we'll announce week our, and we'll announce
1: our picks on the premium.
0: Yes, that is a premium podcast thing. So if you are interested in our professional analysis, mm-hmm. listen to the premium pod, even though Kalen said not to listen to him. After <laughs> he made his picks, <laughs> and, then, and, then he won, and then he won the week. <laughs> and Kalen goes, I don't know anything. Don't listen to me. So <laughs> tune in next time on the premium podcast. <laughs> but uh, much, much like that, final thoughts on Stanford, anything.
1: That game was so exactly what we anticipated it was going to be, um, and and that's the reason why I don't understand ASU's lack of adjustment or or or, or uh, using the heavier package that it used against San Diego State and some and still having some of the special teams miscues. You can understand a quarterback throwing two interceptions mm-hmm. like that's going to happen sometimes. Fine. Manny Wilkins wanted to take a lot of the blame. I mean, didn't play his best game, but I, I again I think that um, the the game plan wasn't as sound as it could have been, especially on defense, and the adjustments in the second half on offense weren't as good as it could have been, and there was still another special teams couple things. They didn't the the the, the biggest blunder didn't actually cost them because Stanford then ended up in like third and long situation and had to punt. But those are my final thoughts.
2: Yeah. My final thought is that they need to figure out the run game to where it's breaking out. We've seen for the past two weeks it build up, and sure, there's hints of consistency there. Until the ASU running game is able to be the foundation set of this offense, where it can go off for home runs the way Bryce Love was able to, this offense is going to be hampered, especially when the passing game isn't what it was like last week.
1: Yeah, has there been even one really big play in the nope. run game all season None. for ASU? What's the longest?
2: We could probably pull it up. from it's scrimmage.
1: Right. I mean, prop probably like a 20 something yard run.
2: Yeah, I don't maybe even <laughs> That's I doubt it would be it, I doubt it's by Bellagio Richard Richard either.
1: Uh it, well it's probably like Kyle Williams on an yeah, end around. Yeah,
2: Kyle Williams I remember had about a 20. So Demario Richard's longest run this so far this year 14 yards. Bellagio's run longest yard or longest run is 20. Yeah,
1: he's a little bit too athletic for 20 yards to be his longest run in yeah. 5 games.
0: Yeah, still trying to figure out the balance there. It seems like, but. Um,
1: well, what else do they do? You have the. Uh,
0: I'm trying to pull up like the season stats. Yeah, it's fine. I'm still trying I'd to think of the one, one thing <laughs> that I was gonna say.
1: <laughs> You'll remember it as soon as we're done. I know.
0: I'm. Right? I mean, I yeah. Totally. It's the way it always works. Oh, uh, that is a bummer. But um, premium pod, Thursday is always, and I just realized it's bi week, so I don't. I don't know if you had something different planned. But uh, we didn't really talk about this beforehand, so I don't, I don't really, I don't <laughs> want to advertise for a premium pod preview. I do Thursday, have. I, I, I
1: think that we're going to have a longer. Some people asked for this. We're going to have a mailbag, bi-week mailbag, and we're going to have a longer segment about the brewing FBI NCAA scandal. Mm-hmm. Oh goody! Yeah. So. Fun um, stuff. And, and we'll have our and we'll have our picks of the other games in the Pac-12 mm-hmm. this oh, week.
0: There you go. And how much? How much Washington? are we going to look into not it that much we'll just
1: maybe take a little first glimpse at Washington just first a little tease
0: there you go Tease. fun criminal stuff <laughs> and a mailbag for the premium pot on Thursday <laughs> just what you're looking for on SunDevilSource.com um, as always thanks for listening be on the lookout for our content throughout bi-week we should have some fun stuff coming up on the site but um, yeah thanks for listening
1: catch you next time peace out